When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the weekend edition of the wrestling, a special weekend edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm Raj Geary, joined by Chris Featherstone and Jesse Collings. Guys, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing well, doing well. Shocked. Uh, talk about the, the Undisputed Era. Ladies and gentlemen, the UFC, uh, Khabib has shocked the system. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a wild, wild ending to... Uh, probably the biggest, actually, it's definitely the biggest UFC pay-per-view of all time. Uh, so let's get into that real quick, and then we'll go into Super Showdown and then cover the rest of the UFC card. But uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, I'll just keep calling him Khabib because I have the hardest time saying his last name. <laughs> but uh, Khabib defeated Conor McGregor tonight at UFC 229 uh, by a net crank uh, in fourth round by a submission. Um, it was... Kind of how a lot of people saw it going. People expected if Connor won, it would be on the feet. Khabib won, he would basically be taking Connor down and just dominate him on the ground. Uh, that happened for most of the fight, although Connor did take one of the uh, rounds. Guys, overall thoughts on the fight uh, itself. Chris, we'll go to you first. Um, it was very one sided. Um, <laughs> and uh, I definitely think that. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe some some ring rust from from Connor. Maybe uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what it was, but he was just off his rocker the whole fight. Um, I, it got to the point where in the third round, uh, going to the third, going to the fourth round, I was like, maybe the the uh, the judges would have gave him the third round, perhaps. Uh, but the first and second round was hundred percent Khabib. So the fourth round, he was already losing before he tapped. And I was like, well, either has to knock him out or tap him out in the fifth because he was already down in points. So it was Khabib all over. What do you think, Jesse? Well, on, on paper, it's kind of like a classic MMA match. It's a, a grappler versus a striker. And for first two rounds, it was all Khabib. I mean, he, once he got Connor on the ground, it was over. It wasn't a particularly exciting first two rounds, but from a technical standpoint, Khabib was far superior in – you know, a, a lot has happened to Connor since his last UFC fight. Um, he's had all sorts of stuff outside uh, of, of the combat area. He, and he also had the, you know, made all that money in the Mayweather fight. And I just think this is, a, he's in a different stage of his life than he was um, in it during his last fight. And, you know, as Bob Sapp once said, once I started getting rich, getting hit in the face started to hurt a lot more. And it's it's hard to tell if he was really as prepared for this fight and as willing to go as far in this fight as he would have been, you know, earlier in his career. I actually thought Connor looked good. Um, I just think Khabib is such a beast on the ground that I just I don't if this happened two years ago, I don't know if the result would have been much different. Um, you know, Khabib. I mean, that's what he does. He tortures, he takes guys to the ground and just tortures them and, and then, you know, beats them. And that's what happened here. So the first round, uh, as you could expect, both men didn't touch gloves. Uh, Connor actually stuffed a takedown early, but Khabib was able to get Connor's ankle, uh, held on, completed the takedown. 
And then pretty much the rest of the round was uh, Khabib on top, smothering Connor, landing shots, uh, but not too much damage done in the first round. I had it 10-9 for Khabib. I think pretty much everyone did. Uh, the second round was more dominant for Khabib. He landed a big right. Uh, Connor followed up with a big knee. After that quick exchange, Khabib took Connor to the ground and just was nailing Connor with some big shots, um, with big punches and elbows, uh, doing a lot of damage. Uh, Khabib was going for an arm triangle at one point, but Connor defended. Connor did manage to get back to his feet with about 40 seconds left, but uh, Khabib had Connor pressed against the cage. And then Connor hit some elbows that didn't do too much damage. So I actually had it a 10 8 for uh, Khabib. How'd you guys have it up to this point? I had the first two. Um, yeah, I, I had it a 10 9 uh, first, a 10 8 seconds. Um, I. Connor, Connor, the third round, just because he was hitting some more strikes, uh, and 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 Khabib looked a little gassed the third round because he was he was very aggressive the second round, uh, and then before uh, and and then going into the fourth uh, in the fourth, I had Khabib up. So, like I said, point points wise, Connor was wasn't going to win anyways unless he got uh, you know either a knockout or a tap out. Yeah, definitely the third round, Khabib looked a little slower. Um, Connor was landing some big shots early on, uh, stuffed a, a takedown. Uh, Khabib hit a big right, and but Connor stuffed a couple of takedowns here. Uh, hit some, hit a big uppercut, uh, got the better of the exchanges on the feet. Uh, Khabib was able to trip Connor at one point, but Connor quickly got to his feet. And uh, Khabib, I'm mean, Connor in this round a few times was grabbing Khabib's glove, which is an illegal move. You're not supposed to do that. And, and uh, Khabib was complaining to the ref about it. But this was the one round I had for McGregor. I thought um, I thought he won this. And then, uh, yeah, the, uh, the next round, the championship rounds, round four, Connor got some big shots early, but Khabib was able to trip Connor, take him down the ground. He controlled him, dropped some left hands. Got Connor's back. Looked like he was going for a rear naked choke, but got his chin. So it was more of a neck crank. And Connor tapped, and Khabib got the win. Uh, three minutes and three seconds in the fourth round. Uh, a huge victory for Khabib. Um, and then he kind of, it's hard to say if he blew it all away, what's going to happen to this? I mean, I think clearly he's going to be stripped of the title. Now, Connor, just this past April, attacked a tour bus, got shattered glass on a bunch of fighters. Uh, it changed their, you know, their pay-per-view card. A couple of fights got called off. So what Connor did back then was, I would say, worse than what happened tonight. And he's back fighting six months later. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think, uh, you know, a Connor khabib rematch would be uh, insanely huge. Yeah. yeah. After this crazy scene. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen, money talks. Uh, what do you guys? Uh, what do you guys see happening here? Uh, Jesse, I'll go to you first. Yeah, it's hard for me to. So, Khabib is the bad guy here. He's the one that jumped over the cage and attacked a uh, someone outside the outside the cage, and then he someone from his team ran in and attacked Connor. He looks like the bad guy here, but. As you said, Raj, there was the whole incident with the bus that was that was Connor was 100% the bad guy there. In the build up to this, it was Connor accused 
Khabib's coach, I think it was, of being a terrorist. And, you know, that was really Islamophobic. And it's hard for me to really side on Connor. To me, there's no winners in this. I think there's only losers. And unfortunately, in my opinion, UFC is kind of asking for this. They're the ones who use the bus attack and the buildup for this fight. They're the ones who um, brought Connor back after that. They're the ones who um, are making these guys rich. Connor and Khabib are going to make a lot of money off of this fight for basically promoting violence and violence against innocent people in this case. And it really is a black eye for the sport and a black eye for UFC. But I mean, they're probably going to do a fight again. And they're probably gonna, you know, use this as promotion for the fight, and it's in that point, it's kind of an ugly business uh, for that. Yeah. So, uh, real quick, so what happened after after Khabib defeated McGregor? He jumped out of the cage and went into the crowd and attacked McGregor's teammate Dylan Danis. Now they had heat in the past, and it actually goes back a long time. So I got an article up on Wrestling Inc. that was just published, and it goes uh, a little bit into uh, the background between Dylan Dylan Danis and Khabib. Uh, so while Khabib runs out into the crowd to attack Dylan Danis, who's a, a, a teammate of McGregor, uh, inside of the cage, one of Khabib's teammates jumps in and then starts attacking Connor and starts punching Connor. Um, it should be said that Connor's team, they didn't retaliate that I saw in any way. It didn't seem like they were fighting back or they struck anyone, which shocked the hell out of me. Um, McGregor was eventually escorted backstage. And then Khabib got back in the cage, uh, surrounded by security. It was, a, it was a crazy scene. Fans are going crazy, just booing. Uh, and he actually wanted to be presented with the title. Uh, Dana White came in. He refused. He explained that fans might throw debris into the cage if he did. And, you know, that wouldn't be a safe situation. Uh, Nurmagomedov was escorted backstage. His fans pelted him with trash. It was just a, a nutty scene. No post-fight interviews, obviously. I'm... I'm sure Khabib won't be at the post-fight press conference. It, we'll see if Connor is. Uh, just an insane scene. Have you ever seen any anything like this in MMA, uh, Chris? No, <laughs> definitely not. Um, I, I've seen you know a heated exchange of words, that's for sure, but not some uh, not some crazy attack on the outside, and then. And then after that, somebody jumped into the cage and uh, stole uh, Connor a few times. Um, and I didn't even know who that was. And then he had to be, uh, you know, uh, restrained. So there was all types of fights going on. It was probably like three or four different fights in different areas uh, that was going on. And so uh, Danny White's got a lot of uh, um, <laughs> damage control to do with this. And, um, you know, I'd imagine could be being stripped and it's like, you know, you just made, you just had your biggest win ever and you allow, you know, your, your feelings to get in the way of basically, uh, basically tainting it from fighting somebody outside of the cage. So, you know, it's one of those things, man, it was it really worth it at the end. And, and I'm sure the answer unanimously is no. Yeah, Jesse, your thought, your your thoughts. I I agree in the sense that if Khabib wanted revenge, well, basically kicking Connor's ass for four rounds and beating him was the best type of revenge. But that's easy for me to say. It's not as easy for me to say that you know, put yourself in Khabib's shoes, being on that bus, uh, Connor, you know, being out of control, Connor accusing uh, 
uh, your, when you, your coach of being a terrorist on 9-11. And, you know, it goes back into, you know, religious issues and political issues, particularly with uh, Khabib being from Pakistan. It's, it's a whole mess. And it's easy for me to be like, oh, well, Khabib shouldn't have done that because obviously he shouldn't have. But it's really difficult for me to, 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 to really put myself in his shoes and think, well, I don't know how I'd react in that react in that situation if I was that mad at this guy and you know beating him wasn't nearly enough. And it's just it's a really difficult situation for me to assess. But I think overall, it's the overall sentiment is that it's just ugly for the sport. Everything about it's ugly. Yeah. Um. So apparently, three members of Khabib's team were arrested, and according to Dana White, so. Um, there you have it. Um, all right. Well, from that to Super Showdown. <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll come back to covering UFC 229, the rest of the card after. But, uh, Chris, why don't you take it over from here? All right. Well, uh, the land down under Melbourne, Australia, 5 a.m. Eastern time um, and uh, 2 p.m. Pacific. Um, it was... The Super Showdown built as the last time ever between The Undertaker and uh, and, and Triple H. Uh, we'll just go uh, just overall thoughts uh, first, just before we go into uh, uh, match by match. Raj, what are your what are your overall thoughts on the show? Uh, you know, I thought it was a fun show. I um, yeah, I I liked it. You know, people call it a glorified house show. You don't have Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and. John Cena and a house show, but I do understand what they mean because you have this giant stadium show. So you expect things of more importance to happen. And uh, it didn't really, but I think just with the atmosphere and everything, I, I, I liked it. Jesse. I thought it was pretty easy to watch. I didn't think it was like a great show, but I thought it was, it was decent. There were some parts of it that I thought were pretty poor, but other parts I thought there were several really strong matches, and it was easy to watch. So, you know, I don't think it felt like a SummerSlam or, or obviously not WrestleMania or, or SummerSlam or Royal Rumble or one of kind of like the secondary pay-per-views. It did kind of feel like a regular pay-per-view show in a big stadium. But overall, I thought it was a really easy to watch show. Can't really complain overall about that much about it. Hmm. Yeah. It, it was a bit slow to me. Uh, it didn't, it didn't connect, uh, very well to me. Uh, it was decent. Uh, I loved, I loved the big show feel and I'm glad that, uh, Melbourne was able to, you know, have a, a show. Um, so there was some good, some bad, but overall, I just think it was like a glorified house show to be honest. So we'll go match by match. We'll go to new day, new day versus the bar. Um, it, it it the the ending was a bit anticlimactic uh, because it, they usually do like the up up down down or the uh, uh, midnight um, something midnight bribe uh, midnight hour yeah that's what it's called midnight hour uh, so they did like a backstabber coup de gras combination and they actually got the finish Jesse what are your thoughts on the uh, the move and and the overall uh, match and the finish. I thought it was a fine opener, you know, got the crowd going. Good action. It was uh, the first of many, many tag team matches on this show. And um, I thought it was good. I, I always respect the New Day. I respect how long they've been around and still are basically still getting over, still selling merchandise, still doing a really good job. So solid, solid opening. Yep. 
Raj? Yeah, I thought it was it was it was fine. Uh, is it worth waking up at three a.m. in the morning for uh, here in Colorado? Uh, I don't know about that, but it was uh, it was fine. I just think uh, so. Sheamus and Cesaro haven't won a match on pay per view since they dropped the titles at WrestleMania. Did you guys know that? Yeah, there was some um, somewhere I saw that that uh, that of that statistic. Well, they weren't on the they weren't on the show for weeks uh, when they got drafted to SmackDown. So, yeah, yeah, I feel like it's time to break them up. Either, you think so? Yeah, I think this cold streak. I just I, you can start pushing them again, but I just feel like the you know it's kind of done. I, and they're two strong singles guys, so uh, they could add a lot of depth to SmackDown. So I, I feel like it's time for them to go their separate ways. I think that was the 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 only thing about that though is that Cesaro, he although he's a fantastic in ring guy, he never had that type of charisma to really take him to the next level when it comes to being a top guy. And I think Sheamus did, of course. You know his resume speaks speaks for itself. But even when Cesaro was a Heyman guy, it it just flopped. So yeah, that I just didn't work. I don't think they ever pushed Cesaro like really hard. Like they kind of they gave him a little bit of a gimmick. They made him the Heyman guy, but then he wasn't a Heyman guy. If you remember, he started getting the giant swing over, and WWE I believe told him to stop doing the giant swing because he's supposed to be a heel, and that was getting a babyface reaction. So he kind of stopped doing it, and then he brought it back later. I don't think he's ever really gotten the serious big time push. Like this is a, what a top guy is. Um, so, and I understand he does not have that outwardly charisma that you would like to see in a top name, but I also don't think he's really gotten the right opportunity for him. Yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, I, to your point, Chris, I don't see him as the guy. I don't see him as a long-term world champion, but I could see him in that mix as, as a, you know, kind of a utility guy. So, yeah. uh, I mean, he was at one point getting super over. I think people forget you know, when he won the, was it WrestleMania 31? He won the battle Royal. I think yep. 30 was the first okay. one because he was the first yeah. champion, right? Or he's the first. Yeah, it was 30. It was, yeah, 30, it was, it, uh, it was in New Orleans. Big Shaw won in California at 31. Okay. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So at WrestleMania 30, then the next night on raw Hulk Hogan kind of endorsed him. I mean, they were, yep. they were doing this big push and then they just randomly paired it with him with Paul Heyman when Cesaro was getting over as a baby face and it just kind of went downhill after that. So uh, I, I think I think there's more you could do with Cesaro, so I'd like to see that. And I'd like to see Big E kind of, uh, you know, Nakamura's not doing a damn thing right now. Why not have Big E feud with Nakamura and you know for the for the uh, U.S. title? Yeah, they're just I don't know what the heck they're doing Nakamura the other US than having a, a United States of Nak America, which is terrible <laughs> on all sides. That's not even a good. Uh, uh, merchandise just it's that's terrible uh so we'll we'll see i, I would i like biggie and nakamura feud i think that's i think that sounds good i think biggie is new day still over like jesse said i agree charlotte flair and becky lynch uh dq finish it seems like uh this is it seems like they're kind of building up possibly for evolution now they did say that there's going to be a rematch on smackdown so um lynch still they're trying their best to give Lynch some heat. Um, the Melbourne crowd, she got heat a little bit, but for the most part, she was getting she was getting cheered. 
and to be honest, uh, I'd like your thoughts on this, Raj. For you know, because they're doing a poor job really booking Becky as a heel, Charlotte's caught in the crossfires of I'm being booked as a face, but I'm getting booed by the fans. So that doesn't really help my character uh, overall. What are your thoughts on that, Raj? I think, but in this case, it kind of is helping her, right? Like Becky is more over than she ever has been. Um, well, Charlotte, I'm saying Charlotte is not helping. Oh, Charlotte. yeah, yeah. Charlotte's kind of in limbo, but it's fine. She's been pushed forever. Uh, I think it's it's good that they're going this way with Becky now. My thing is, and I really like this match until the, the finish. I thought if if you don't have a real finish in mind, if that's your if that's your ultimate goal is just a throwaway match, just to keep it going, why do it? You could have Becky wrestle anyone else. You could have had Charlotte, you know, say that she's going to use a rematch clause at Evolution, so you don't just give away, you know, just don't throw away the match right away. Because the more you do it, the more you dilute it each time. So I thought, I thought there was no reason to do this here. Um, you know, you got no finish. It was just ultimately it turns into a waste of time when you just do a DQ finish like that. The heel DQ finish. Okay the DQ finish. The heel DQ finish is like a good idea when it's done rarely, but I feel like WWE just does it too much as a way to get out of having to do a, a real finish for a match. And I feel like Raj says you dilute it and it ends up coming across really flat. Like if you did it once every six months or once every year, it would really work. It would be an effective way to get heat on someone. But since they do it pretty regularly, it's it's tough. I think it's really weird that they continue to just fight the fans on the Becky Lynch thing. That you have someone that's over, the fans really want to cheer for them, but they remain stubborn and saying, no, they really want to cheer for Charlotte. Becky's the heel. This is how we're booking it. It just It's so absurd to me that you would just throw away someone that's organically over like Becky because they're not. it's not part of the plan or whatever. It, yeah, I do agree, but I also think... Uh, if WWE did start booking Becky as the way they usually book baby faces, it might hurt her. <laughs> so, because uh, they don't book baby faces very well uh, on the women's side, and and the the lines and the way they script them, uh, it's it, it's usually not the best. So, oh, so you think it's actually better for her to be a baby for her baby face character is actually better that she's a heel? Absolutely, I think what I they're think, doing right now is working the best. I think. As, actually- I think I think you're actually right, Raj. I just think that we're, we're agreeing on that. It's just a completely absurd thing to be talking about. Right, yeah, we're we're agreeing on it because WWE doesn't book baby faces that well. So <laughs> I, I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, that as long as she's not teaming with other heels and doesn't try running down the crowd and just keeps this edge to her, I think this is the most effective and interesting she's ever been. I think her promos uh, are different than any in the company right now because they're not cheesy comedy like we we're just talking about nakamura now he's doing that nakamurica stuff and it's just this weird campy comedy that they kind of throw to too many guys that makes them all feel like mid, mid carters yeah. <coughs> excuse me <coughs> and so she feels special mid carters make you cough Roz. wow yeah. i know <laughs> Allergy. Too, too many too many right now yeah i agree i, I think this is becky's um uh, highlight for sure. Uh, I definitely think that um, if they book her as an Austin style um, baby face, I think that that'll work. Just kind of no nonsense, you know, coming in face or heel, just giving everybody exploders. You know, that would just be that, that. I think that would be even more over with the crowd. So we'll see. I think so far, so good with Becky. 
And I think my my WWE math, I think it was in full effect tonight, right? I think every, I remember this morning. I think everyone who you know lost or had the you know had the better of, of the other guy lost mm-hmm. tonight. You know what I mean? Like Daniel Bryan lost on SmackDown, so he won tonight. Uh, I think up and down, yeah. you know, sh- no. sh- uh, the bar took out the New Day on SmackDown. They lost tonight. And I think up and down, it was that's how it was. Unless I'm missing something. I think Rousey. Didn't Rousey win a singles match on Raw, or maybe that was a couple weeks ago? Yeah, she beat uh, Ruby Riot, didn't she? I'm forgetting. Yeah, because I was uh, yeah because I was upset that Ruby she kept uh, getting the advantage on uh, Ronda Rousey like throughout the entire match. It was a long match, and 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 uh, and it was a long match, and and Ruby Riot just kept beating up on Rousey, which okay. I, I don't like. So yeah. Uh, and 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 Rousey and the Bellas won, but we'll talk about that here in just a few. So uh, John Cena, um, <laughs> and his look looking more and more like Mark, Mark uh, Wahlberg uh, comes out with uh, with Bobby Lashley and defeats Elias and Kevin Owens. Uh, well, first of all, there's a part of me that still want Elias and Kevin Owens to team up. Because I absolutely love their heel heat. I love the whole Seattle thing. It was absolutely fantastic. That's what that's what heel that's what should happen to heels. Heels should get booed uh like tremendously. And, and that's what happened with them. So Roz, do you think that they should stay as a team uh and, and get that cheap heat? because uh, cause uh, you know, like the the Australia show really don't count because it was just kind of like, you know. Uh, a glorified house show to an extent, you know, you, you, you kind of, there wasn't really much build and storylines to go with it. What are your thoughts on Kevin Owens and Elias? Cena's going to be gone. He's going back to China, I believe. So where did they go? I, I do. I do like them together. I do think they're entertaining as far as the heel heat. Is he, uh, they do it well as far, but it's also that local sports heel heat that they've been doing in wrestling forever. And to the vast majority of people watching at home, we don't, we're not going to get that upset about Seattle, not having the supersonics, right? Like 90, 95% of the people watching that show. So you're watching 10 minutes of booing for something you don't really care about. Whereas if you're getting heel heat, like for an action that's so dastardly that everyone that's watching is upset, uh, you know, that's more effective as opposed to you ran down the local sports team and that, particular crowd ended up getting upset (laughs) every single week though i I think that's the gimmick i think because you know if if he just comes in and they they just come in and rip the broncos they have been doing that i mean i'm in ohio i'm a a diehard buckeyes fan we're you know we would just boo them out the arena if they rip ohio state you know and so I think if you do that every week, that's the gimmick. Just just making the crowd boom like crazy. And I think it gets to the point where probably even it'll get to the point that even before they rib them, they'll just get booed. Yeah, but it's not real heel heat. You know what I mean? It's like entertaining heel heat. It's like ah, oh, they ran down our sports team, but you don't really, you're not really mad at them and want to see them lose as opposed to when like. Khabib right now, right? Like that's heel heat, <laughs> you yeah, know. Yeah, that's yeah. that's missing in wrestling. I'd love to see that, but uh, I agree. Yeah. Anyway, Jesse, I don't really like Elias. I don't really understand why he's very popular. I think he's okay in his segments. I think he's kind of a bad wrestler. 
I'm not a huge fan of his, his gimmick. I, I understand that there are a lot of people out there that are fans, and that's cool. I just don't get it. And when we're talking about like the cheap heat by insulting the sports fans, you know, I think Eric Bischoff once said that there are certain things that can get an enormous reaction and don't mean anything for as far as drawing money. And I think that's what we're talking about. Elias can insult a city and people can react. But what does that mean? Is that really turning Elias into a bigger star week to week? I don't really know if that is. I don't know if Elias is ever going to be a, a, a you know a, a real business difference maker for WWE. I don't know if he's ever going to be a world champion. As far as Kevin Owens is concerned, I think Owens is a really good wrestler and a really good talker. But I think that he really needs to be presented as a serious competitor because of his physique and because of the way he looks is that if you want to get that guy over as kind of a badass, he needs to be a little bit more protected than say a guy like Braun Strowman, who obviously just looking at him looks like a badass. So I think when Kevin Owens does kind of the cheap heat stuff and does kind of the funny heel things, I don't think that really helps him overall moving forward as a character, because I think he really needs to be taken seriously, kind of like the way Samoa Joe is booked. Uh, to mm-hmm. remain effective. So I'm not a really a huge fan of the pairing between Owens and Elias. I think it's needed. To me, I think it's I think it's a needed thing. I think both of them by themselves just weren't hitting that echelon of being super important. Uh, and I think that I think they work well together, <laughs> to be honest. I think because, uh, you know, Elias getting the cheap heat wasn't as effective as him and Owens just kind of double teaming on the on the ground i understand i'm a traditionalist like you raj when it comes to old school wrestling and and and, and good really just slash your tires type of heat you know what i mean but uh at this point seeing that chorus of booze is way way better for me than to see some type you know half the crowd cheering half the crowd booing which in essence i don't think helps the character at all so we'll see we'll see where it goes um so Cena's uh, six move of doom, uh, the, the iron fist, and uh, whatever uh, official terminology Corey Graves gave it. I saw him do it at a house show, uh, what about a month, month or two back? But this is the first time he's done it live. Uh, Raj, was this a disgrace to the pro wrestling business? <laughs> uh, I thought it, it just looked like a, a little flick of the wrist. <laughs> I, th- yeah, I mean, I thought it looked terrible, but. It's Cena, you know, he can get away with it. He's a he's a, he's a superstar. Now you mentioned him looking more like Mark Mark. I think a lot of people are thinking it's JBL, like a a forty year old JBL. Probably a combination of JBL and Mark Mark. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jesse, you're you're big on uh, on, on uh, New Japan and uh, you know just uh, good good uh, good wrestling, good quality wrestling. Uh, does Cena make you really upset? No, the real disgrace to pro wrestling here was they talked about how John Cena had been training with Jackie Chan like five times during the match. And then after he does this punch, Corey Grave goes, where did you learn that? And I'm like, are you kidding me? He obviously learned it from Jackie Chan. Commentary is the WWE commentating is horrendous every single week and it never gets better. And it was terrible to, again tonight or this morning, I guess. Or yesterday morning, I guess, and uh, it was just it was rough. I don't care. It's it's stupid move. The you know the five knuckle shuffles a stupid move. The people's elbow is a stupid move. Wrestling's full of stupid moves. It's fine. 
I'm I'm a big liger, Mark. I, I've like like my liger ever since the the early '90s. Um, he does the Shote, and that really doesn't do much. You know, what I mean, it's, it's but sorry, I mean, he's but he's but he's such a good wrestler that he can he can do that, and, and, and it works. But you can't really say you can't really compare J- uh, John Cena and, and uh, Juice and Liger's uh, wrestling abilities <laughs> to to have a, a a move that isn't as effective. So. I hope this doesn't stick, but it seems like it may. Uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, Icon is picking up a win against Naomi and Asuka. This was, I think this was quite predictable uh, because, you know, Melbourne's their hometown. And so, Roz, uh, where, does, where does this lead to, if anything? Well, WWE usually beats people in their hometown. But I, I think when a, a country is spending a bunch of money for them, right. then, and then they're willing to make the exception. So I think Saudi Arabia and and Australia or any of these other ones where they're doing these these specials, you'll actually see the hometown people winning. Um, hey, I don't know. I, Corey, Corey Graves made a comment about when Oscar was doing Naomi's entrance about kind of where she was and where she is. And it's just kind of sad to see. She's a hell of a talent. Rhonda, I just feel like they're completely pissing her away, her star power. Uh, they could have done something really special with her and Asuka. They could have done something really special with uh, Ronda and Nia. And it was just kind of a, a gone, you know, uh, here today, gone tomorrow kind of thing with Nia. And she's stuck with these six-man tags. She feels she's never felt like less of a star in the in the time that I've been following her as she does right now. Oh, you know, yeah. like I feel <laughs> like they've made her the biggest star in the company by far is just there. And that's uh that's very telling now is it just a, is it a matter of enough and, and i've heard of, of people being a victim of this is it just a matter and i've interviewed plenty of people uh wwe who's felt victim of this is it just a matter as far as us is concerned as you know vince just saying eh, i don't see much in her anymore and just kind of derailing her and, and booking her accordingly I know. I think this is just how they know how to book women. And every now and then they'll stumble on something like Becky, but we'll see, you know, it's early to say, you know, they're trying to, they want to make her a heel. So there's a good chance they mess that up. So, you know, I, I think but it was almost a thousand days that she didn't lose a match. I mean, they were doing a fantastic job. It seems like it was a call from the top that just kind of pulled the plug. Well, what I think is the thing here is that, Asuka's gimmick is that she's going to be like the really successful Asuka is unbeatable and she beats all of her opponents. And to have that gimmick, you really have to be the top women in the company or at least the top women on your brand. And in WWE's opinion, that person is Charlotte. It's not going to be Asuka. You know, we can argue about whether they're right or wrong, but they ended up wanting to put push Charlotte ahead of Asuka, which is why Charlotte won at WrestleMania. And that kind of put Asuka on ice and she hasn't really gone back. I think it's a shame. I think she's super talented. She could be doing more. But I think that's just the way they see it is that Asuka isn't the top star on SmackDown for the women's side. Charlotte is. So Charlotte's going to get the push. And Asuka's going to be relegated to a lesser role. Well, it's not just that. It's um, when you sign someone like Ronda or, you know, when you got Steve Austin coming up, you got to kind of you got to pick those feuds carefully when you got a, a superstar emerging or you bring in a superstar. So you should have a few people, you know, in line uh, and these big feuds. So you have somewhere to go. And with Ronda, they didn't have that. Oscar was already built in. They already had the undefeated streak going. They didn't have to do much. 
and they squandered it away. And then Charlotte loses the title two nights later to freaking Carmella. Yeah. Um, you know, the women that they're putting on top, Alexa Bliss, Carmella, uh, Alexa, I think is really good on the mic, but she has no credibility when she's in there with someone like Rhonda, whereas someone like an Asuka has some. And Nia Jax would have just based on her sheer size, and they could have done some really cool storylines with that. That could have brought in other audiences who who know of Ronda, who have followed her. She, I mean, Ronda's pay-per-view numbers were just gigantic when she's facing people that no one knows. And they could have brought in a lot of that, and they're not. I mean, if I told, you know, like you just mentioned, Ronda wrestling on Raw this past Monday, I forgot about that. Yeah, it should be something special. She's the biggest star in the company. It shouldn't be something a throwaway thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Just uh, that's the lowest raw ever, and that had Ronda Rousey, one of the biggest, you know, sports stars (laughs) in the world. Yeah, and and uh, and to your point, as far as booking women, it's unfortunate because I, again, it's one of those things. Just the fifty-fifty booking. If you're, if you're going into the feud intending to make both look good or look equal i think that's the problem because i think with rousey you gotta you gotta make her look like a machine she just can't afford having the long matches on raw right now she's gonna she needs to run through uh alicia run through dana brooke run through mickey you know the people who aren't as top tier to get to those top tier opponents to make them you know she she should be at a point right now where she's unstoppable now she's you know getting beat up you know most of the match against Ruby Riot. No offense to Ruby, she's good in the ring, but there's no way that Ronda Rousey should have a, a last minute uh, move. You know, uh, breathing heavily, barely made it fight against Ruby Riot. I mean that just yeah. that really defeats the purpose of him her, her her looking like a machine, which she should be at this point. It's like when Steve Austin was coming up, and I go back to Steve Austin just because. That's a close thing to Ronda as far as persona goes, like this badass, right? And when Steve Austin was coming up, you don't put him in a 50-50 match with, um, you know, Rockabilly or, you you know, like, uh, you know, uh, guys that are underneath that are not on their level. Yeah. Well, the model for booking Ronda Rousey is Brock Lesnar, right? Should be. Show up infrequently, kick a lot of ass until you have like that one special opponent or one or two opponents where you really have more of a 50, 50 match. And and that should be it. But they also made a big investment around Ronda Rousey and they want to have her on the show as much as possible. And they want to have her wrestling as much as possible. And they want, you know, it's not going to be like, you, you know, if she's on the show for two minutes because she beat someone in 30 seconds, maybe that's not the best use of her as far as trying to generate viewership interest. Yeah. Yeah, the infrequence and not be, you know, putting it on every week. So, like I was saying, I mean, you know, I I used to love Tess back in the day. For some reason, I don't know why I would have Tess to be like world champ, but but uh, but he wasn't at the stage that he could be in a fifty fifty booking match against Austin. As as good as he was at the time, as 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 much as he was a, a thing, you know, around uh, the the Main Street Posse era. You wouldn't want him to go back and forth, you know, down to the wire against Austin. You know, it, it just it just wouldn't have made sense. So and you don't have Austin don't or know. Brock or any of those guys using words like gumption in their promos. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, so, yeah, now we got uh, Styles and Joe. It was, Joe lost the series. He lost a feud. He he was he was the second 
he, he was the Nakamura of, you know, uh, today, like Nakamura was six months ago, just recurring matches, matches over and over and over again, just for AJ as the babyface to win the, win the series out and just kind of leave, you know, the heel just out in the pasture. So what do you think? Uh, we'll start with Jesse. What do you think overall about this, this feud and the fact that Joe did not come up on top and there's no logical reason for them to have any rematch now because he beat him clean. He made him tap. So yeah. there's nothing else. There, there's nothing else to develop to say, okay, well, Joe Neek, Joe deserves another rematch unless he actually goes in the house this time, which would make no sense. Well, in the WWE world, you know, like they could just put him, he could just get another match. Like there's no yeah. logic for that. Announce but, my page. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I don't have a problem with Joe losing. AJ's a really good champion. He has really good matches. I thought he was really good in this feud. And I thought Joe was good in this feud. But I, one thing I would change, and I thought this match was really good. The one thing I would have changed is I wouldn't have had Joe tapped out. You know, have him pass out from the pain. Have him take a pinfall. Have him do anything. But tapping out is like the weakest way for him to lose. And I would have liked to have seen him at least retain some form of, of intimidation, even if he lost the feud. Because now as he moves on... You know, is he going to go back down the card and he's going to, you know, job to Randy Orton or or, or who or someone else on the on the show? Uh, I would have at least allowed him to keep some of his heat, but have but I wouldn't have had him tap out. I don't think that really serves a purpose for for AJ or for Joe. I I was fine with them tapping out. What I thought was stupid was that this was a no DQ no countout match, right? Because mm-hmm. the last pay per view it it didn't end in a DQ or a countout. So what was the point of this? You know, what was the point of this step? It should because it's, Joe had submitted AJ and the ref didn't see it. It should have been a submission match because they went with the submission here anyway. I mean, the yeah. submission step is what makes sense, you know, coming off of that finish. And then they did that. So that made no sense to me, especially with the finish that they ended up using. I, I got to say this. Did this feel like a big time WWE championship match following a big grudge feud? No, because they no. put it in the mid card and it's that yes. sucks for the WWE championship. Match. Always exactly. Yeah. So I've been we saying this forever. Show. Like they keep pushing the stuff as, you know, in the middle of these pay-per-views. So people don't take it like a big deal. And you just saw the crowd didn't really react tonight. Nope. I mean, they were chanting like we want tables. That's something you do in, you know, a, a prelim match with the, you know, well, you I will say this about the crowd. They had a big crowd, but it's tough to get a real audible noise in a stadium that large, especially if it's not filled to capacity. They announced 70,000 tonight. There was, I would say there's probably 60,000. or Yeah, different. I was saying like 55 is probably. Yeah, something like that. And it's a 100,000 seat arena outside. Yeah. You know, there's no dome. So it's harder for the crowd to, to really no, for hit. For sure. Like, but they were louder. But you heard them more in other matches. Yeah, you did. Oh. But I, I also, I wouldn't really hold any, like the lack of crowd noise against them just because of the circumstances. It, but I it, agree. It, it isn't just this. It's, it's not no. just tonight. It's just in general. Like every okay. time they're on pay-per-view, crowd's usually pretty quiet. And, uh, you know, I think SummerSlam, they're allowed. But since... Since then, it just they it just doesn't feel like a big deal. It feels like a mid card match. It feels like a, a intercontinental title match, to be honest. And again, I'm not blaming Joe. I'm not blaming AJ. I'm blaming how WWE keeps positioning them so they keep conditioning fans to not think it's a big deal. You know, people talk about Raw and SmackDown. How much better SmackDown is than Raw? Well, whenever they do the shows in the same city, Raw outdraws SmackDown by a lot. I mean, when they were here in Denver, SmackDown do 
drew, I think, like 3,300 um, SmackDown Live. And then Raw the night before uh, drew like 6,500. So it was almost double mm. on what they did. So it's clear that they see Raw as the bigger deal. And when you got both in the same city at the same time, they're going to pick Raw over SmackDown. And that's just how WWE has been positioning it. Uh, Raw, only drew, Raw only drew 6,500 in Denver? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a great crowd either, but it was still a lot more than SmackDown. So, well, you have to. I think placement, like we were talking, I think placement has a big deal uh, to it because they start doing the dual pay per views in May, right? Backlash. So it's been five months. Yeah, and then you have Mania. So at least for the past six months, AJ hasn't main evented uh, as champ. What was well, what was including the dual branded right? ones? I don't think they've ever. You know, it's been. I don't think they've ever done it right since the brand split. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's been at least six months. No, I'm saying it's Mania been like two was... years since they done. You know, since the brand split with the Survivor Series, the Summer Slams, all those. Uh, the closest that you would come to it was when Brock wrestled Randy Orton. And that's because Randy Orton had just moved to SmackDown. Right. What I'm what I'm saying is the last time that AJ's actually main event oh, in the right. pay-per-view. Yeah, it would and be so before the brand split. Yeah, so before so I mean, so they had the actual SmackDown pay-per-views before the split. So I think that was the last one he main evented, right? Uh, well, after, well, after the split. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. After this well. So that was at least before Mania. So it's been at least six months. I don't know what was March's pay per view like Fastlane or something like that or something. Yeah, something. something like that. Yeah, or Elimination Chamber or something like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's it's been a while. It's been at least six months. If uh, someone in the chat would know knows those uh, stats as far as the last time AJ <laughs> Mania been in a pay per view, uh, bring it up. So. Yeah, but I, that being said, also I think this feud lost a lot of its steam after. Uh, uh, after really for me where where i lost it was when Sno- uh, samoa joe was reading the the story time book yeah yeah it wasn't yeah. like this was it wasn't i thought samoa joe did great in the delivery this wasn't you know literature for the ages as far as creativity comes comes in this feud i thought it was pretty basic and just like joe's obsessed with aj's family for some reason and now it's personal and i thought that was pretty lazy booking and i thought the guys did the best they could given the situation it's just so, you know, comedy when, when Samoa Joe's do again, I think if you look at real sports heat and that's what draws the huge numbers, right? Are you going to have Connor sitting there with cheesy music, Connor McGregor ch- sitting there with cheesy music, reading a, a fairy tale book, you know, <laughs> uh, doing rhymes? No, he's, he's going to talk smack. And, and, you know, if he, if he went to somebody's house, that'd be gigantic, but he's not going to, there's a realistic way to do it. That's going to get a ton of heat that's going to get attention. There's a right way to do it in the wrong way. They do it in this comical way. Then they have Paige saying it's the most dastardly act, which if, if if someone's a new fan and they're watching for like one of the first times and they see that that's one of the most dastardly acts in WWE, uh, what is this weak shit I'm watching? Yeah. I mean, I'm, the ones of us have known, you know, like Val Venus almost had his, uh, you know, choppy, choppy. more dastardly acts. Brian yeah. with a gun. Yeah, Brian Pillman yeah. stole Golda's wife. And it, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 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 it looks like Fastlane um, in March. Um, I was actually there. Yeah, <laughs> I was there live, and I forgot. <laughs> so that was March of 2018. 
Uh, it looks like AJ went against. Um, yeah, he he won the six pack challenge. Yeah. Uh, so for the for the title, he retained the title. So that was Mar- That was the last main event he was in. So it's been seven months. So that goes to show how. Uh, <laughs> that goes to show how much uh, WWE is interested in the WWE Championship right now. So do you think they're gonna have sadly. AJ hold on to it until he beats CM Punk's record? Um, well, I think that they were doing that with Lesnar. I think they were doing that with Lesnar. So, yeah, but since Punk actually held the the title that AJ did, I could see them just they've had AJ (laughs) hold it for this long. Like, yeah, let's have him. Might as well. They really have someone on SmackDown they need to get the title on very soon, or is they like AJ's a fine champion? He has good matches and he's popular. I don't see anyone on SmackDown really. You could maybe argue Brian, who's obviously the number one contender now, that like could really need the title. But other than that, like he could easily hold the title for, you know, through WrestleMania. Yeah, but the problem is is that AJ has not elevated. I mean, again, I think we all agree that there's it's this is not AJ's fault, but AJ as champion has not elevated the championship not one iota. And I I feel very strong with it. Who wants SmackDown Uh, right now? Or absolutely Randy Orton. I would put or- I would put the title on Orton. I think that he's a, a, a great he. I think he is probably the most exciting part of SmackDown right now, as far as a standalone gimmick, a singles gimmick. And I think that he, with his heel heat right now, would be able to elevate the championship. Okay. And I think that he would come as close. I think that I think that he would come the closest to main eventing for that championship uh, more than anybody right now. I kind of disagree. I think it it does it just it's kind of a step backwards if Orton gets the title back. Here's what I would do. Um, I think AJ needs you're you're bringing these big names from the past and just putting them up against each other. These throwaway matches that does no one any favors. Undertaker's still going right. Why not have Undertaker go to SmackDown, get him out of this feud with you know Sean and Triple H, I and mean, he's saying he wants you know one he wants the WWE Championship one more time and have him feud with AJ. That elevates AJ. That would be last on pay per view, and they'd have a good match. And if you have AJ beat Undertaker, then all of a sudden you have elevated AJ. You've made that title seem more important, and you've used an old guy, you know, one of your older stars to help get a younger star over. Instead of, I got to admit, after I saw this Undertaker Triple H match, I do not care to see Sean back in the ring. I don't care about this tag match. And so they're using these old stars, just putting them together when they could be um, using it to really get some new talent. And, and granted, AJ's 40 plus, but but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. give the rub to... to I don't know, man. Guys. I don't know if I would buy. I don't know if I'd buy the Taker thing because I just, I, I just don't want to see him in the ring anymore. I just, I, and I, I, he's I would in big the ring, so if he's going to be in the ring anyway, why not use it to help a younger talent? Because I don't think, I don't think WWE has the six, the the stick to itiveness to make that go past a month. That's exactly what happened with Roman Reigns. He beat Taker, and then weeks later, he gets flipped over by an ambulance by Strowman. I don't see them doing anything different with AJ Styles. He'll beat Taker, and then weeks later, uh, Brock Lesnar come back, and then he'll he'll be more important on the card. So, so uh, it, that, so what we're saying is it wouldn't work because of WWE incompetence. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Isn't that most of what we what we argue about anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think that's the the commentary. Ragging on them because they are so successful money wise, but could you know you just see it time and time again. 
Yeah, not ratings wise though. They're they're good businessmen, but not really good uh, creative uh, as far as the ratings has been concerned. Record lows after twenty five years of Raw. That pretty much says a lot. So, all right, let's uh, let's get into Rousey and uh, the Bellas against the Riot Squad. I think the the very um, short notes, the, the 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 very footnotes on this now is that uh, they're going they're building. Uh, Nikki and, and, and Rhonda. I don't think there's much to say about this other than the kind of like the animos, the, 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 this very slight kind of commotion they had in the beginning. It seems like it was very clear that they're going to build something for them. That's uh, a evolution. Yeah. Your thoughts, Raj. Yeah. I, I didn't get the feel of any kind of build here, but you know, again, they're doing the same thing with Rhonda pretty much every time in these tag matches, she tags in at the end, gets the win um again i just feel like they're just wasting rousey biggest star in the company doesn't feel special she's and the bellas are being attached with the bellas doesn't help her either you know baddest person baddest women on woman on the planet and she's with the bellas like that yeah that should seem like someone she can't stand true they should seem like someone she can't stand so anyway this we can just move on unless jesse have more I actually think in in this instance, Rousey actually looked like she was really special because once she got the hot tag, she completely destroyed the entire team. Her offense looked really good. She had the cool double submission finish. I thought that made her look like, oh my God, this woman's way better than everyone else, which is what you want to do. Over Long term, is this going to make her a big like, help keeper that level, feuding with the Bellas, you know, doing that? I don't know. But I thought at least tonight she looked, or this, or again, yesterday morning, she, I thought she at least looked like a real big star in, in the match itself. Yeah. I think the double arm bar helped her. I, th- I agree. I think oh. the hot tag and the double arm bar help, helped her look like a star, look like she's above the the match. And I, and I appreciate that. It seems like, it seems like that's a one-off though, because it seems like they're doing that to make her the star of evolution to put evolution over. And probably most likely ever after evolution, she'll have, long matches of against Liv Morgan. So that's probably how it's going to be come, you know, come to following raw after evolution, unfortunately. Um, feel good moment for Buddy Murphy. I think this is a inevitable as well. This is pr- pretty much a given. De- defeat Cedric Alexander. It seemed like the writing was on the wall because they kept, they kept kind of uh, driving Cedric Alexander undefeated statistics uh, <laughs> down her throats. Uh, yeah, he hasn't been pinned the, all year, and I think that was pretty much like they're they're building all this up to make Buddy Murphy look like not only has he broken this streak, but he's the hometown boy. So it seems like they want to really they really wanted to, to spruce this up to make it look like a big win. Jesse, what do you think? Good match. Uh, You know, I like the idea of a guy is over in his hometown and then that guy wins and that guy looks like a bigger star moving forward. I know that's a novel idea for WWE, but I think it it really worked. And they had a really good match. This was, I think, my second favorite match on the card from a pure quality standpoint. Yeah, the crowd was into it. The most I've ever seen them into a cruiserweight, you know, championship match. Uh, So, yeah, I I think it was a good move all around. I don't think Buddy Murphy holds on to it for that long. I think Cedric gets it back sooner and later, but uh, I thought it was good. Uh, the shield comes back with the max. I like it. Uh, I think that's uh, we haven't seen that for for quite some time. So it was like full on shield gear um, now. And um, so yeah, the the six man was decent. And 
I don't know, man. I, I, I just... I just like the shield like the shield used to be. I tweeted this on Monday uh, during Raw. I was like, man, what the heck is this? What this isn't the shield. I'm so used to the shield, you know, gang attacking people, triple power bombing people. But they've played. I mean, they've played successful baby faces even when they were kind of heelish, when they were feuding against the wide family and evolution. But now they're they're booking them to have like the traditional baby face. I'm going to get beat up, get beat up and then win at the end. I think that's I think that's an adverse effect when it comes to a gimmick like the Shield. Roz, what are your thoughts on uh, just uh, how they booked this and just uh, the match uh, at Super Showdown? I thought the match was really good, but they need to end this right now. I hope that this was the end. I think, uh, look, you got three championships held up in the six man tag feud that no one really cares about. No one really cares mm-hmm. who wins or loses at the end. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, who cares in a six man feud at the end? Yeah. Um, you could go either way. I almost would have went with Strowman pinning Roman since you're, you know, doing that match next. And so it gives Strowman some steam. But regardless, I also don't like beating champions, especially world champions, even even if it is tag matches. So, uh, you know, I just hope this is done because you're you're tying up three titles in this one feud as well. You're tying up the tag titles, Intercontinental title and the Universal Championship. Instead of having separate storylines and threads for each of those, they're all tied up in one, and that makes Mm -hmm. all the rest of Raw seem very unimportant. It feels like all filler. Let's get these individual feuds back. Uh, You know, you can still get Dean involved somehow, but let's let's break this. Hopefully this was the end of that. But I thought the match itself was really good. Jesse? Yeah, the match was fun, really good action. Fast pace, everyone looked good. That was great. I mean, they brought the Shield back because they want Roman Reigns to get cheered. And Roman Reigns was never more cheered than when he was with the Shield, which is why they brought them back. And they don't really have an opponent like the Wyatt family or like Evolution. This Strowman, Ziggler, McIntyre alliance was really just thrown together to give them heels to work against. Um, so, you know, it, it isn't blowing me away. I agree with Raj. It's tying up the titles. They should try to do something more different and diversify it. The shield doesn't feel as special because it's, you know, like the nostalgia or the second run is is never going to be as good as the first run. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of anything in wrestling where the second comeback was, you know, better than the first. You know, when WWE brought the NWO back in 2002, that wasn't better than the original NWO. Or when they brought ECW back, it wasn't better than ECW. Or, you know, when Evolution returned, it wasn't any better than Evolution before or, D, or any of the DX aligned, uh, re- revivals. It's just the nature of wrestling. Mm. Well, I, I think Terry Funk would disagree with you um, because he, he he came back a bunch of times and, uh, you know, middle yeah, aging crazy still. I yeah, think how I many think of those probably, were really effective? <laughs> his, I think his ECW came, comeback was pretty effective because it and definitely helped launch. Is when he came back and put Ric Flair's head in the plastic bag. Ooh, that, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was, oh, I love that. The class of the champions. Yeah. Uh, the the worst one of the worst pile drivers I've ever seen in my life. So that, that was, was it. That was, was it the terrible. Clash of Champions? I thought it was Shy Town Rumble when it was uh, after yeah. Flair and Steamboat, right? It it was it was the uh, yeah. Well, I think Clash of Champions were culminated, if I'm not mistaken, because he because Funk was the judge, and he comes yeah. in because because Funk is uh, being an actor, and then you know right. Flair beats uh, Steamboat. Funk's a judge, and he's like, "Hey, why don't you give me a title shot?" See, that's like, nah, one of those things. It felt real. It's not com- <laughs> comedic. 
Yeah. Right. All right. Flair's like, no, you know, you, you got to go in the back of the line, pal. And, yeah. yeah. You've been butting heads with Stallone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, see, that's that's heat, man. That's you know, heat. that's even he, even with a terrible looking pal driver on the on the table. If y'all go back, that 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 was a really bad looking pile driver, but he still that didn't matter. It it didn't matter. He still got a bunch of heat and it worked. So yeah. makes me want to go back and look, look look at that. I probably will. Uh Daniel Bryan and the Miz. Um odd finish. Uh, odd match altogether. Uh, uh it seems like they wanted to do that to protect the Miz in a way. Uh not have like a you know, uh, a tap out or a running knee finish, just kind of like a, a unexpected type of finish. Roz, what are, what are your thoughts on this? It seems like they're still trying to protect the Miz in some in some form. You know what? I love this finish. I, I always like, I, I think wrestling is too telegraphed nowadays. You kind of can see when a finish is coming, when it's not. So I like when, I feel like they should do this more often where finishes come out of nowhere. It makes a match seem more spontaneous, uh, less scripted. So I liked it. And yeah, it does kind of protect the Miz a little. Um, you know, we, we had the Wednesday podcast and they're talking about the Miz getting the next title shot. Just the Miz versus AJ Styles. I just think it brings the championship down even more. I just feel I like agree. Miz is entertaining, but he's not credible. Um, and it, it just, it, it just, I think Daniel Bryan's the right move. So him and AJ, I mean, that's, that's going to be awesome. So I, I, I like this all around. I like the finish. I like it that it's Daniel Bryan. I feel like Daniel Bryan needs uh, he needs some steam because he's lost a lot. Mm-hmm. Jesse, what are your thoughts on this? I, I like the finish for what it was. I do like the idea of training the crowd to recognize quick finishes. And, you know, now it will be surprising next time they have a match. If Bryan tries to roll Miz up, the crowd will be into it. Mm-hmm. Um Raj said he did not think Miz as number one contender would be a, a good idea. Well, he's going to hate my idea, which if I was booking, I would have. I thought about you have Miz win this match. He's number one contender. He rubs in Daniel's face and then he flukes his way or he steals the title from AJ or Samoa Joe. And then the Miz holds the championship all the way up to WrestleMania, taunting Daniel Bryan all the way. Bryan wins the Rumble. Bryan finally beats Miz for the title at WrestleMania. I think that helps elevate the WWE Championship by tying it into a big feud. It gives you a big, more than year-long, years-long build for a feud, something that WWE doesn't really have. I just thought it would be a good idea. But, you know, Bryan versus Styles, I'm not going to complain about seeing that. Yeah, I, I just think... I don't know. To me, to me, there's there's something missing about the Miz that's a that's a top name for me, like a consistent top player to elevate the WWE Championship. I think he's a like to me. I compare the Miz to like the Honky Tonk Man, like a really really good heel mid Carter. Like you know, if 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 the Honky Tonk Man would have won it, won the WWE Championship once, I think it wouldn't have been surprising, just like the Miz did, but. I don't know. It's just something about the Miz that just doesn't really like. It doesn't really, you know, scream top main event star to me. Yeah, it's like if you're watching wrestling with uh, with friends that don't watch wrestling and and they see Brock Lesnar, like, oh, okay, I see it. You know, like, yeah, that guy looks like he could destroy people. And then you show them the Miz, and you're like, yeah, this is the wrestling world champion. Like, what? Right. What are you right. guys watching? You know, right. like yeah. this guy looks like a goof. So yeah. Anyway. Yep. Uh so Triple H and the Undertaker. Um 
I I think you know you y'all Raj you commented and on the on it briefly. I thought that this was way too over gimmicked. I mean, like way too over gimmicked. I think the new the no DQ in the in the in the beginning. You know, it just kind of allowed them to just you know <laughs> take the reins off of just all the gimmicks that were involved, all the the run-ins, the interferences, the the weapons, the outsides, the super kicks. I mean, it was just – I understand that they want to protect The Undertaker as much as possible, uh, but it was just way too over-gimmicked to me, and it, it just kind of took away from the match. And to me, I think it was a cluster mess, to be honest. Um, I understand why they wanted to, you know, make Triple H the winner of this. But what does that really prove at the end, Jesse? Does I mean at the end of the day, after you know twenty years of feuding, Triple H uh, is over. Triple H wins the last match ever of the feud, where it should have been over at WrestleMania twenty eight. What does this really prove? Well, it doesn't prove anything because I'm pretty sure they're going to have a tag match next month. Right. So the idea of this being the last match is ridiculous. I I really did not like this match. I thought it sucked. I thought that you know there's a difference between having a slow match and you're telling a story during it and there's elements to it and there's a then you're having a slow match where the guys are plotting and the guys are gassed and you have all this interference and you're doing all this overbooking and by the end of it everyone looked like they were wrestling in molasses and it just it looked bad to me I understand why pe- I, I talked to some people that really like this match I talked to someone that said it was their favorite match of the year and you know, it has big characters. The crowd was into it. You know, they didn't have to do a lot to get a reaction. They really did simple stuff for the most part. But it just had so much interference and it had so much overbooking. And, you know, it's guys we've all seen uh, for years and years and they look worse than we've ever seen them before. And it just it isn't – it is entertaining to me. And you talked about the, you know, the lowest Raw viewership in the history of, of, of Raw. Well – that these guys were in the main event of that lowest rated hour in the history of, of raw. So I don't know if you can even argue that these guys are really entertain or big draws to the masses anymore. They're big draws in Australia because the Australian fans are probably never going to see these guys perform live again, unless they travel to, to, you know, WrestleMania or something like that. But it just, it doesn't move the needle for me at all. I'm not interested in it. It's crazy for me to, you know, like almost everyone, my age, Undertaker was like our everyone's favorite wrestler growing up. And I love the Undertaker. I ranked him like 10th in my top 50 wrestlers of the last 50 years, but it's just, I don't want to see him anymore. I certainly don't want to see triple H who I think all of his matches are almost always horrible because they're so slow. It just, it's, it's terrible. I hate it right now. I, I really do. It takes time from the young guys. It's just really frustrates me when I see this match go 30 minutes and it's crap. I thought the match was, eh, now I I felt like it went ten to fifteen minutes too long, and I think that hurt it. It did not need to be this long. Triple H has this obsession with his matches being long, even though they move slow and you know, like he he's not the uh, he's not a spring chicken, and these matches drag now when you're going that long. Um, it's not the same as when he worked with Taker, you know, whatever it was seven years ago. Seven, so, yeah. So twenty eight, yeah. So I just thought this dragged. It kind of took me out of it. But it, you know, they are two superstars, and um, but yeah, I just 
I, I thought it was it was kind of nothing. Um, I, I figured I said this last Monday. I figured Triple H was going to win to set up Saudi Arabia, and then Matt got me to change my mind. But yeah, it, it made sense. Seeing Sean out there, something seeing him bald that. <laughs> Makes me not want to see him wrestle for some weird. I reason. agree. <laughs> yeah. People uh, were really that was something when you know social media lit up when that cowboy hat came off last week. Oh, I was like, oh my god, it's yeah. yeah, it just takes uh, away. It's like I don't want to see Ultimate, you know, obviously he's passed away, but back in the day, I wouldn't want to see Ultimate Warrior come back and he's a skinny guy with no face paint and a buzz yeah. cut. Um, right. it's just not. What you know, I it's see, not what you remember, guys, it's not part of, part of that persona. I don't want to see Steve you know, Austin come back with you know a, a big beer gut and you know hair, I guess. I don't know what else, but <laughs> you know, you, you, you kind of want your heroes looking a certain way of people that you really look up to. And and Sean looks completely different. I'm sure he'll do fine. Who knows? I mean, he. When he was running around like outside the ring, he looked like he had been riding on a, a mechanical horse for eight hours. He was really <laughs> bow legged. Well, here's the thing: is we can say the match was we 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 all seem to have not really had high opinions of the match. Obviously, I didn't really like it, but the crowd really ate it up. The crowd was hot for yeah. this, and I uh, think they're superstars. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know they. You know, we can say that, you know, they're not athletic, but they don't really have to do a lot. Like if Sean just gets a tag and hits sweet chin music and if he can still do the kip up, which I, I'm assuming he could possibly still do, like the fans are going to eat that up. Now, if Sean wrestled every week, which he's not obviously not going to do, then maybe it would be different. But these guys are big stars and they still get bigger reactions than anyone, you know, else on, on the roster. And that's a problem that WWE doesn't have anyone else that's been able to do that. But it's, it's, you know, WWE is not going to go away from these guys as long as they keep getting reaction and they keep creating interest. Yeah. That's the reason why I was a big fan that Taker grew his hair back because the uncle fester Taker at uh, 30 was just a, that was a bad call. So uh, I'm glad that he grew his hair back and, and, and that he's able to, be the undertaker again so yeah. i'm just not looking i'm just not really as excited about Shawn michaels coming back as i would have thought i would have been six months ago go ahead jesse i have a, just a quick question did any anyone i didn't hear anything about like the gate for the show or like how expensive tickets were because i know for the saudi arabia show the tickets were dirt cheap because the, the event was already paid for by the government was this a similar situation in australia where tickets were very cheap or they sell like real face value tickets it's a totally different market for them they have a much bigger presence in australia but i didn't hear anything about like was this a 60 70 70 000 people you know seventy thousand? was that a seventy thousand people gate or was it cheaper because i don't know the, the tickets for this show were really expensive mm-hmm. so they did uh, a big gate so this yeah was a so they did a big gate yeah, unless they gave a lot of freebies, but the actual prices for these tickets, they were really high. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good financially for for WWE. So, and I think when you have these one-offs on these big cities and these these big, you know, country, you know, international shows, um, you know, that's that's a good financial game for WWE no matter what's on the card. So, so uh, going to keep the Saudi Arabia show got and real quick. Uh, so the tickets were $25 for the upper level. Like a lot of events, those are like 10 bucks and a, th- a little over a thousand dollars for ringside, 1050. So uh, wow. yeah, they did not, uh, did not have bargain prices for this. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so the announced are... attendance was 70,309, but that's the WWE announced attendance. 
they usually usually fudge those numbers by quite a bit. So oh, my guess would be fifty five thousand. Don't say that. They definitely don't. It's, it was definitely what they said it was. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like ninety three thousand. There was. Uh, You're not counting all the people backstage. Yeah. I don't know, man. Hundred was a hundred and one in Dallas. I was in Dallas and I did not see any empty sections. And if that arena legitimately can hold a hundred thousand people, I don't know how it didn't. Well, mm. the stage takes up a ton of takes yeah, up. The stage. Yeah, but a football field takes up a ton of space, and they the do. legit attendance, I believe, for the Dallas show was like ninety four thousand or something like that. Well, there's yeah. there's Which is different fantastic. people debating. There's like there's some people that say the turnstiles like that they they count it was like eighty thousand. There's no way it was only eighty thousand people. I like yeah. it when people see big photos of crowds and be like, "There's no like they show a photo of the crowd like there's no way this wasn't a hundred thousand. And it's well, like you look yeah. at like WrestleMania three, right? Like. uh so the observer says it was 78,000. I've always believed that number, the 78. But then they, sh- you know, that one aerial photo was released and you don't see any empty sections yeah, and there was no it, stage yeah. back then. It's just a small yeah. ring. And then the, the that whole stadium was packed. Yeah. There's um, some, some yeah, the stage isn't as elaborate. Yeah, I don't know. We're not going to get into it. Right, some- right, right. <laughs> but yeah. The, the the moral of the story is uh, a lot of people come to see WWE shows. So uh, kudos to WWE for that. So not in Saudi Arabia. Uh, that show from yeah, the, they moved that. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to transition into the uh, kind of some a uh, few news bits? Uh, they they that was supposed to be a sixty five thousand arena, but they moved it over to a twenty five. Yeah, so it was supposed to be at uh, King Saud University. Or it's now going to be at King Saud University Stadium, which is 25,000 fans capacity. Uh, when they originally announced it last month, it was supposed to be at King Fahd International Stadium, which has a capacity of over 68,000. So they've gone from a, basically a stadium to an arena. Uh, pretty which much. is not great because the ticket, I'm assuming the tickets are like the last show where the tickets are like five or ten bucks uh, for yeah. price. I'm sure they're dirt cheap. So I'm not sure if it's the case. Yeah. I mean, you know, they haven't announced Shawn Michaels return match yet. You know, all they've announced so far is just the the triple threat match. So I don't know if it's ticket concerns because the, yeah, I mean, you would think the Saudi Prince would just, you know, give them away or, or whatever. Cause they, you know, that that's their concern really. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's a paid show. True. Uh, any other closing thoughts on uh, UFC, Raj? Uh, we'll just run through the results real quick. Um, so far, uh, so yeah, as we mentioned, three people at uh, Khabib's team were arrested. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it makes the sport look, look ghetto, to say the least. Um, real quick, with the, the prelims, Tony Martin defeated Ryan LaFleur by TKO, one minute round three. Nick Lentz defeated Gray Maynard. Gray Maynard. Uh, TKO one nineteen round two. Yanni Kunitskaya, Kunitskaya defeated Lena Landsberg by unanimous decision. Scott Holtzman defeated Alan Patrick uh, by KO at three forty two of round three. Aspen Ladd defeated Tanya Evinger by a TKO at three twenty six of round one. Uh, Vincent Lacouk Lacouk defeated Jalen Turner by a knockout at three fifty two of round one. And Juicier. Forminga defeated Sergio Pettis by unanimous decision. In the main card, you had the Karate Hottie, Michelle Watterson, uh, defeat Felice Herrig uh, by unanimous decision. Uh, that was a good fight. Derek Lewis uh, and Alexander Volkov, two heavyweights. This fight was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
basically uh, Volkov looked crisp, like he, he had really good striking. But Derek Lewis was that guy that could just at any minute pop out, knock you out, and that's what he did. Uh, about 80 seconds left in the fight, uh, Volkov was winning, and then Lewis had this nice flurry and just knocked him out. Brutal ground and pound, and it was over. Uh, Ovin St. Peru. a slobber knocker. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was crazy. Uh, Ovin St. Peru, Dominic Reyes, uh, OSP, who once had a, a main event with, with uh, John Jones. Uh, but Dominic Reyes looked – he looked really good. He's impressive. He's someone to keep an eye out on. He's undefeated, and he be, defeated OSP by a unanimous decision. Uh, Tony Ferguson versus Anthony Pettis. This fight was awesome. Uh, only went two rounds. Ferguson, who was who had knee surgery, knee surgery just six months ago, uh, was back in there, and they were just uh, uh, this fight was just insane. Uh, Ferguson won both rounds, uh, but Pettis uh, broke his hand in the second round, and uh, his his coach Duke Duke Rufus uh, stopped the fight. So Tony Ferguson winning that at five minutes of round two. And then, of course, Khabib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor. We got into that earlier. Um, yeah, so Conor McGregor now, right now, it's coming out. He did not press charges, um, so he's yeah. He he told Dana White that he's upset about the fight itself and not the fight after the fight. Um, so we'll you know keep an eye on Wrestling Inc. We'll have we'll have more on that. I, I'm sure. Uh, I doubt he'll be uh, Khabib will be stripped of the title today or tomorrow, but it's got to be happening sooner than later. Um, so how, we'll important, how important is the title, though? Because everyone's going to see Khabib as the champion anyway. He's what twenty-seven and zero now. He beat Connor, who was you know the biggest star in the division, pretty handily. So yeah, you know that's I think one of the problems with UFC right now is that they uh, it's a it's a cluster. The titles are you know. Are pretty or are there's so many interim champions and there's so many of this that it's hard for me to you know really care about who the champion is. Everyone knows Khabib's the top guy in the division right now, even if he's not the champion. Yeah. So Khabib's teammates apparently Phil Phil in our chat is uh, uh, noting that yeah his his teammates have been the 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 three members that were arrested were released because Connor's not filing charges. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, back in the day when I started watching UFC, there were five titles and it was easy to name who the champion was. And just, there were so many big stars because there were so few titles, so few events, it was easy to follow. You just had tons of superstars. Now you got like three, uh, you got yeah. John Jones, Connor McGregor, DC, uh, DC. And, and that's pretty much it. GSP when he does fight, um, who knows if he's going to fight again. Yeah. Well, so, a, couple, a couple of months ago, things were looking not this was looking like not a great year for UFC, and then all of a sudden you have you know Connor fights Khabib obviously, John Jones can magically fight again. DC um, has the big win over Stipe, and all of a sudden you've got all these you know Brock's coming back, and all of a sudden the, the company looks like it's in great shape uh, after what looked like a pretty was going to be a pretty disappointing 2018. Well, I, I can't even tell you what their Madison Square Garden main event is. Uh, oh yeah, Shevchenko versus someone who someone from the Ultimate Fighter that. Yeah. Unless yeah. you watched Ultimate Fighter, which almost nobody watched uh, in the last season, you don't know who it is. Yeah, and she hasn't had a fight since. So that's the main event for their next Madison Square Garden show. So uh, they're they're doing some weird things, but yes, they do have uh, some big months coming up with John Jones coming back and Brock Lesnar and everything. So there's potential there. Speaking of uh, seconds, I think Jesse, this might be the uh, 
the 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 second time that may be better than the first. I think that there's going to be more money in a uh, rematch between uh, Khabib and Connor if they do it. Well, this buy rate, you know, they were throwing out really high numbers, and even if it falls short of those high numbers that were being talked about as far as pay per view buys, it's still going to make them a ton of money. This is this is a hot property. The thing about UFC more so than WWE is that UFC has the top stars and names that can bring in casual fans as opposed to WWE where it's pretty much just the hardcore fans except for WrestleMania. But UFC can, you know, they're the hardcore fans who are going to watch almost everyone. They'll watch the UFC MSG show with with the main event that no one's ever heard of just because that's what they do. But they have the Conor McGregor's, they have, you know, John Jones, they have the Brock Lesnar. Those guys are coming back to draw the casual fan interest. And that's what really is going to make them that much money. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those things too, like, you know, people are talking about tonight being a black eye for UFC and MMA uh, with what happened. Uh, it's a bad look, but also it's going to get a ton of interest as well. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's going to be the talk, you know, the talk of, of sports media the yeah. whole next week. So um, the flip side of that, the flip side of that is that you have enough of these incidents and advertisers become less interested in UFC, even though the, if the number, even if the viewership is there, um, you have a lot of these incidents where they they can't feel like they can market something where guys are brawling and rioting in the stands afterwards. So it is a it is a tricky kind of thing that they're that they're playing. Yeah, I haven't seen, I haven't heard of any major sponsors dropping them. And there's there have been nothing as bad as this, but you know, well, again, I think the Connor Bus thing technically could be worse depending on how you look at it i know people are speculating that there might be riots and fights tonight in in vegas um you know yeah between all the drunk irish fans versus all the drunk russian fans and yeah it's possible who knows uh but um you know what connor did he was really bad too that was uh something ridiculous and he and he's fighting you know what what is it been six months so we'll see all right. Any, uh, any other uh, any other uh, loose ends, uh, Raj? I think that's it. I mean, we'll be back on Monday. Uh, on Monday, me, myself, Glenn will be back, and uh, yeah, covering Raw. Hopefully, I, I, I'm not going to you know have my hopes <laughs> hopes high that they're going to start turning things around. But uh, hopefully, it's a more entertaining show. Yeah. And uh, you can catch me at Chris Prolific uh, Pancakes and Power Slam show every Tuesday. This will be the 341 episode. It's been over six and a half years of this daggone thing, and uh, <laughs> people love it. So thank you for all your support. Had a live Q&A with Eric Bischoff uh, last week on the Wrestling Inc. YouTube page. So uh, check that out. I'll be having some more live Q&As. And I have a wrestler interview every week. Um and uh yeah so i'll be i'll be doing some uh more q and a's by by popular requests i'll I'll be having that more on the show so stay tuned jesse where can we find you you can follow me on twitter at jesse collings j-e-s-s-e-c-o-l-l-i-n-g-s my column views from the turnbuckle comes out every friday on wrestling inc all righty sounds good well ladies and gentlemen uh, on behalf of raj jesse i am chris featherstone this has been the Wrestling Inc. podcast post USC, post, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Super Showdown. <laughs> Probably won't ever have that uh, uh, name again unless they do it in Australia once again. But uh, it's been fun, ladies and gentlemen. On behalf of Ross, Jesse, I'm Chris. So long. Have a good night.